0: Hi guys, Cells here. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Productivity Podcast. Today we're going to be starting a new series. It's all about ADHD. And joining me today is Rosie, and she is a communications professional. And aside from that, she's also a mobility advocate. And just using her knowledge in spreading awareness about Alternative forms of transportation and the reason why she's here today. Aside from juggling a day job and her advocacy, she recently got diagnosed with ADHD. And we're going to talk about their experiences and what it's like to be diagnosed with it quite recently.
1: You're listening
0: to the Purposeful Productivity Podcast where we talk about the science, stories, and strategies behind productivity that lights you up without burning you out. With your host, who sleeps way too early for someone her age, Celso Alejandro. So, welcome,
1: welcome, Ro. Hello, nice to be here and to be (laughs) welcomed.
0: Yeah, so this is... Basically, we're going to talk about what it's like for, I would say, like a normal person to go through being diagnosed and how you're coming to terms with that and how you're trying to cope, how you're trying to live with having ADHD. So if you could tell us, let's start off with this question. So what made you think that you had ADHD in the first place?
1: Okay, so uh, <laughs> I want to talk a lot for a lot of reasons. Part of it is a mobility ad- advocacy, but um, for some reason, my algorithm figured out I had ADHD before I did. So it was showing me a lot of ADHD videos. And at first it was just, um, you know, like, ha that's funny. And then it started becoming, ha ha, hmm, why can I relate? And I found myself relating more and more to the content, which made me think, could I possibly have ADHD? And at the same time, Right now, I am in a pretty, I would say, demanding job. Apart from, it's a very fast-paced job. Uh, a lot of things are changing all the time, and that means that I have to cope and I have to keep up. So I was feeling incredibly overwhelmed at work, and I realized one time my boss was giving me instructions over the phone, and I realized I could not keep up. And like, like step one, fine, I got that. Step two, fine, I got that. Step three was kind of over my head already, and then I just could not keep track. So I had to learn how to take notes while she was talking. Um, And yeah, that was like something that was brought up in one of the ADHD TikTok videos that I saw. People with ADHD have a hard time with executive function and short-term working memory. So that is why verbal instructions are a struggle. And then that is basically what triggered me to start researching and looking into ADHD as an adult and then later on looking into the symptoms from childhood and that's when I realized that so many of them applied to me
0: and I should probably go get this. So when did you start thinking that you had ADHD and then how long before you tried to get the diagnosis? It took me
1: How long since I first saw a video? It took me, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say about like three or four months. Because I was thinking like, I already have dyslexia. I can't really have ADHD too, can I? Uh, But apparently those two overlap a lot. It took me about three or four months. And then it took me another month to get diagnosed because the psychiatrist that uh, I had was fully booked for a month. So... Yeah, three to four months to figure out that I probably had ADHD and then another month before official diagnosis.
0: Right. To everyone who isn't familiar, in your own words, how would you define what ADHD is? ADHD, contrary to popular belief, it's not the inability to
1: focus. It is the inability to kind of regulate what goes on in your brain. So the way that I describe ADHD It's like trying to have a conversation with a friend in a really noisy restaurant. So like a task is the conversation. A task can still happen, but there are a lot of adjustments made. If you're having a conversation with a friend in a noisy restaurant, you'll put your seats closer together. You'll lean closer to your friend. Uh, You'll probably have to stop every now and then because there's a loud something and you pause and then you start talking again. That's basically ADHD. It's like you're trying to get a task done, but so many things bouncing around in your brain. Uh, It takes a while and it takes a lot of adjustments uh, before you actually get that task done.
0: I love that analogy where you use the conversation thing. Mm -hmm. No one's ever put that to me in that way. And it makes so much sense where if it's a crowded room with a lot of people talking, it's not like you can't get the task done. It's just, it's not like you can't have a conversation. It's just so much harder. And then you have to adjust yourself or you know the people around you for you to be able to converse or in this case be able to do your task whereas I'm assuming if you don't have ADHD then the room would be much quieter and therefore you don't have to what we call have accommodations and we might go into that right So I love that analogy, and I think that's really helpful. I'm going to steal that and start using that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But you mentioned something a while ago about executive functions. What are executive functions?
1: The way that I understand it, um, I'm not really sure what the official definition is, but the way that I understand it is Mm -hmm. executive function is just being able to tell your brain, you're doing this. To expound, apart from... Just having a more difficult time getting tasks done. Having ADHD also means that your emotional control or regulation is not as good as people with neurotypical brains. People think that I'm very emotional. I have been labeled, like my family always told me I was OA, like I hate hearing that. And I was told that I overreact to everything. And then only with this diagnosis did it make sense that it was really beyond my control. Uh, ADHD brains have, someone did a scan of an ADHD brain compared to a normal brain. And there are some parts of the brain that are underdeveloped. Uh, That doesn't mean we're any less intelligent. It it explains why we have the difficulty with the tasks and we have uh, the difficulty with regulating emotions. And I'm sorry, I forgot the question
0: it's okay I think I also lost it it's fine they'll just we'll wing this thing okay so no no I like it because it's a very it's very authentic this conversation is just I it's unscripted for a reason I want people to come as they are so that people understand like it's not I like it I like the vulnerability and the rawness of it I believe I was asking about what executive functions all right Right.
1: So yeah, that's basically just being able to organize tasks, being able to uh, tell your brain you're going to do this task, basically being able to tell your brain to focus and do one task at a time. For example, uh, the reason why I was getting overwhelmed at work, and I realized this after diagnosis, or like close to the time I was getting diagnosed, I would have a million things on my task list, and I would have a million windows open on my laptop. And for example, someone will message and say, I need this file. And I'm like, okay, I'll go to my file system, look for it. But on my way to the file system, I have to go to an email. I see my email, I see the inbox, and then I get distracted. And then I start replying to emails, and then I go back to another task. And then I go back uh, to the message and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to send you the file. So yeah, that's basically the lack of executive function, being able to like say, you're just doing this, do this first. Lacking executive function is the inability
0: to just stick to what you said you would in your head.
1: Basically, that's right. how I would describe it. Mm-hmm.
0: Has this ever gone to a point where it would affect your productivity in whatever you were doing, work or other? Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Um,
1: it got to the point that I realized I wasn't being as efficient as I would like. This is where all the adjustments came in. I'm sure there are people in my workplace who don't like it. Oh, no, my cat is meowing. (laughs) There are people who don't like it, but I keep my... Because we work with Microsoft Teams. I keep my status on Do Not Disturb. So that means I don't see any messages coming in. You can't call me. Back to what you were asking, has it affected my... Productivity, yes, it has. And that is also part of why I decided to seek help. Because when I started thinking, okay, so I have ADHD, and then I found out that there was medication for it. I also thought, apart from all these hacks, like turning off my notifications. So my notifications are off for MS Teams. My notifications are off for email. My phone, all of the apps, my notifications are off. So that was one workaround. I also bought a whiteboard where I wrote down all of the important tasks that I had to do and limited it to five so I wouldn't get overwhelmed. So I had all the tasks there. I also had a notebook with all the tasks that I had for the week that I would section off into the days. Yeah, and I was still feeling overwhelmed even with all those hacks. So I figured it was time to seek help and probably get medicated because I saw a lot of people talking about how
0: getting medicated changed
1: their lives
0: that's what happened. Yeah. There's a lot that I want to talk about. One of them is like medication and stigma around that. The other is Mm -hmm. the accommodations you had at work. So you guys use Microsoft Teams and people can't, they can't call you like what they would normally do. Is Mm -hmm. this an arrangement made with your bosses or is it just, does your boss know that you need this kind of accommodation?
1: She does now. I didn't tell her when I, okay, so before that, I have to preface that I have a very good relationship with my boss, or I'd like to think so, Um, (laughs) uh, and it's very easy to talk to her, so I was able Mm -hmm. to be incredibly open with her. Um, She knew about my dyslexia from the start, but the do not disturb, she kind of understood because while I would say I was one of the few that started being perpetually on do not disturb, she understood my workload as well. And then when I told her that I did have ADHD, that's when she also started asking like, okay, so what are other things that we can do? She's awesome about it. Um, But initially, uh, no, it was something that I just enforced and
0: everyone just had to deal with it. I think that's really courageous of you, especially with our culture. Or I don't know, like my perceived notion of, you know, us as Filipinos, we're not taught to really have boundaries like that (laughs) yes but i'm glad that you were able to be like no this is what i need and i really need it so i just kind of unapologetically because (laughs) eventually they're going to have to right and yeah do you believe that doing that was able to improve your productivity
1: yes it did um so even before I was diagnosed, I knew that if I was in the zone, so that's a thing with ADHD people that is called hyperfocus. When I'm in the zone, I get so much done, but it's hard to kind of get in that mode if I keep getting interrupted. It wasn't hard for me to implement that and it did help. And because like less distractions, it was easier for me to get into the zone and that it did help my productivity, uh, significantly, I also started Microsoft has this awesome feature. So, if anyone's listening and is on Microsoft Teams and you haven't found this, you get notifications from Microsoft. It's called Viva. It used to be called something else, where they show you how you spent your last week. Like, it shows you how much of your time was spent in meetings, chatting, going through emails, and uh, how much time was spent with you doing other things. And then it has this feature where it lets you block focus time. When you schedule focus time, it automatically switches your status to do not disturb and it automatically changes the message that people see it's your name so like row c is focusing replies will be delayed it has that feature that makes everyone know that you cannot be bothered it also marks it as
0: busy so people can't schedule meetings with you around then. so yeah i i use that as well Nice. That is a great tip. So to everyone using MS Teams, check that out. And what's striking me right now, right, talking to someone who has ADHD is actually like a lot of the, I would say, remote work-friendly tips and strategies that I've read are actually very ADHD-friendly, you know, like being able to decrease the number of asynchronous meetings and just Basically, respecting other people's times and boundaries and being able to accommodate different needs is Mm -hmm. very helpful. But it's really great that you have a good support system at work to be able to encourage you to do that. How about at home? At home,
1: okay. So at home, I have a fantastically supportive husband. Actually, when I told him that I might have ADHD. And that I was thinking of getting diagnosed, he was all for it. His family, my in-laws, are also quite progressive when it comes to seeking professional help, therapy, psychiatrists, psychologists, they're like so open about that. Because his mom is also, my mother-in-law is also a therapist. And his mother has ADHD, so it's not something new in their family. So Mm. they were incredibly supportive. The people that I was scared would be less supportive was my side of the family Just because, how do I say this? My side of the family is very traditional in the sense that you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and deal with whatever. I mean, you know, the culture with my my side of the family is very deal with it. I wasn't sure how they were going to respond to me seeking a diagnosis. Because I, I, I do have one cousin who was officially diagnosed with ADHD from an early age, but his type of ADHD uh, was a hyperactive. He could not keep, still. his ADHD is very different from mine in the way that it's expressed. So I was very scared of them telling me that I was just, again, overreacting. I was being, I was being attention seeking. I, I was scared of that happening. But thankfully, my mom was also very supportive in the diagnosis. Yeah, so like the family has been incredibly supportive. The only thing that they were kind of wary about was when I said that I got medicated. My cousins that I'm close to that I've told their main worry was that I'd abuse it or that I'd become too reliant on meds, which is a common misconception that we can talk about later. But that was the main concern. They were scared that I would become too dependent. They were warning me that these meds are incredibly strong and um, they're dangerous. That was basically the only issue that I had coming home and saying that I have ADHD.
0: Right. That's really something that I believe we need to address later on in the talk. But for example, at home, right, you have a very good support system at home. Are there things that you've changed around the household after you got diagnosed? I wouldn't say that it changed after I got diagnosed. My husband's just like awesome in the sense that if there's
1: something that bothers me, like he listens. It doesn't need a lot of back and forth for him to like try to help adjust to make things easier. And I like to think that it works both ways. So, But before I got diagnosed, so one of the things that people with ADHD have is we're very sensitive to sensory input. It's not the same for everyone with ADHD, but it's quite easy for us to get distracted by sensory input. Mine in particular is smell. If there is a smell that I don't like, it is so easy for me to get distracted. And then I just shut down completely. And that is difficult, especially if I have a lot of things to do, because when I say shut down, I will not stop until that smell goes away. My focus goes entirely to like fixing that smell. So that was something that had to be addressed at home even before the diagnosis but other than that uh, no we didn't have to address anything if anything it helped my husband understand where I was coming from like now when I have an emotional outburst I'm better at recognizing when it's an emotional outburst and I'm better at like taking a step back there are t- still times where I talk before I think but I'd like to think that's getting better. Now it's easier for us to understand me and where I'm coming from now that I've been diagnosed. But in terms of adjustments, not a lot had to be made.
0: Okay, great. It's really good that your family ended up being supportive. I'm wondering if it's because you already have a cousin that was diagnosed with ADHD before you were. Do you think that played a role in a good way or in a bad way? Because you mentioned that the kind of ADHD he had was the hyperactive part. I believe you were the opposite. You weren't hyper in like the physical sense, right? I was uh, an active child. I ran around more. I wasn't disruptive. It was like
1: diagnosed me as a combo. So I have both mm. the hyperactive and I have the inattentive, which is, you know, fantastic. But um, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bingo. I think it was easier because of the way that I made Lata get to my family. Cause the way that I brought it up was I asked my family, "Was I really talkative when I was a kid?" Yes, I was. Was I over emotional as a kid, or what you guys called over emotional? Yes, I was. So I had them like confirming a bunch of these things, and at, at the end of it, I was like, "Those are all you guys noticed that enough to comment on it frequently." But I don't think you guys realize that those are all symptoms of ADHD in girls. One thing that I would like to raise, uh, especially in this podcast, is the, the way that ADHD manifests in girls is it's not the same as the way it usually manifests in boys. And for the better part of I don't know how long, the studies for ADHD have focused primarily on boys. So for a long time, they thought that girls didn't carry ADHD. So yeah, I think approaching it from that made them accept it faster. I also went, and ADHD is highly genetic. Uh, Majority of ADHD cases are genetic. So I got it from you guys. I got it from mom, if I think. I'm (laughs) so sure my mom has it. I got it from mom, and I'm so sure, I I was telling my sisters this, I'm so sure you guys have it too. I guess they found it funny. It kind of softened the blow, I guess you could say, and it made them realize now, oh, no, we probably have it too. And I think, I honestly think that they do. I'm not a professional, it's just my doctor quackness coming out. Yeah, so I guess that's why
0: uh, it was easier for them to be supportive. Right. You mentioned that it manifests differently in girls. Can you talk about Mm -hmm. that a little bit? When people think of ADHD, they probably picture a boy that's disruptive
1: and won't sit still. Majority of girls who have ADHD, they are inattentive. So usually people with ADHD and who are girls, biologically female, they are described as lazy. Like you can't get them motivated to do what they have to do. They're thought of as inattentive they daydream too much which is very different from what you describe for a guy in my case i fidget a lot but it's not like the way that i'd run around or i'd hit people so yeah that, that's the way that it manifests in, in girls also the societal expectation plays a role in this like girls are trained to be a certain way so I think boys get away with it more, so it's more noticeable. And if a girl does it, it's like, oh, you're just being inappropriate. Instead of taking that as a sign that she might have ADHD, it's taken as a sign that there's something, she's just not being ladylike. So that, right. that's another... Like there's just ADHD. something wrong
0: with her. Yeah, there's and it's just all something her wrong
1: fault. With her. Oh my God, yeah, that is exactly why. Even in high school, the teachers just thought I was bored and they'd pull me out of class.
0: Confront me like, why were you bored in my class? Like, I don't know you. Really, country. like, <laughs> yeah. What were you doing that made them want to take you out of class? I have that? no idea. I guess, cause I zoned out. I don't know, or
1: like I'd be doodling. So a lot of teachers think that if a child is doodling, they're just being inattentive. But that was like, to me, I treated it as it was like a more socially acceptable way of fidgeting. So yeah. I doodled all the time. Like, all my notes. And I remember I had a physics teacher who was, like... Every time I'd start doodling in her class, it wasn't because I wasn't listening. But she'd get mad at me.
0: Why? And be like, stop doodling. Stop doodling. What? But it actually helps you focus, doesn't it? it because does. I doodle, too. It and it's, like, it's my way of, like, focusing. Now I think I might have ADHD, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I would doodle because if the topic isn't something that engages me, I need to do something to keep... <laughs> my mind on the topic right so yeah uh so I had a physics
1: teacher that was always getting mad at me oh and another thing another symptom that I didn't realize was a symptom of ADHD my psychiatrist pointed it out my grades were highly affected by how much I liked the subject and or the teacher yes Mm -hmm. so my grades were very the outside observer I did very well like um and this is another misconception about people with ADHD. I did very well. I graduated cum laude, came from a science high school. But my grades were really like, it was either uno or like pasang awa. There was no in-between. <laughs> um, I mean, there was, but I mean, that, that's basically what it was. I was doing either really spectacularly or really poorly. And apparently, that's already a symptom. So neurotypical people... If you're an intelligent neurotypical person, you basically do well in most classes. In general, your average is good. If you're an average person, your average is average. But if you have ADHD, it's not at all predictable. That was another symptom. My mom would call me up and kind of be like, why are you so influenced by your teacher? We didn't realize that that was already another symptom
0: interesting yeah that makes sense because my partner also has adhd and it's like if he doesn't like the subject it's so hard to get him to do things but if it's something he loves it's like he will code every moment of his life and he doesn't really mind because he's hyper focusing would you say being able to do what you love is very important for you as someone who has adhd
1: Yes, and no. I say no just because what we love can change. (laughs) We can get bored pretty fast. But yes, and being interested does play a huge part. The way that some people describe it is we chase the dopamine. So as Ah. long as there's like a dopamine high, then we do well. Okay, I'm not sure if this is dopamine, but this is also why. We do better when we're under pressure, and why we procrastinate until like the last minute mm-hmm. to start doing something. Because, like, there's a chemical reaction in our brain that just like helps us focus, and that's like absent. If there's no pressure or there's no interest, then nothing's gonna happen. Basically, that's
0: how we function. Have you ever tried to manufacture that pressure for you to be able to do things faster? Yeah, I have. For example, if I don't really have a deadline, I give myself a deadline. Does that work
1: for you? It does sometimes. But then other <laughs> times, like I stopped doing it just because I'd feel bad if I can't meet my own self-imposed deadline. So that worked against me at some point. Yeah, it could work. But then when people start telling you also like you don't have to be that early or that you don't have to self-impose a deadline, then it suddenly a debug. <laughs> um, Like some people say that. The way that I've heard other people with ADHD describe it. ADHD is, um there are two timelines, now or never.
0: Right. So what other techniques or strategies have you used that were effective to let you get things done?
1: One was, and I read this somewhere. say so yeah, let's talk about work first. One is if you have an idea that suddenly pops into your head, which you know happens often with us, write it down somewhere and then go back to whatever task you were doing. So what happens is if I'm doing a task and then I suddenly have an idea, like how much is a ring light, I'll suddenly go on Lazada and be like, how much is a ring light? And then I start scrolling Lazada, which is totally not related to what I'm supposed to be doing. So um, a hack that I found was, you write down all your unrelated ideas somewhere and then check on it later. That has been good and it's kept me focused for the most part. That's one hack that I had. Another is to have visual cues. So some people use Post-its. As I said, I have a whiteboard because I found out Post-its are non-recyclable and my cardboard footprint. So yeah, I have a whiteboard. Non-work-related hacks. I started sleeping more. I know when we were catching up earlier, you said that one of the counterintuitive things was to get rest. It can't be any more true with people with ADHD. I sleep. I make sure that I get eight hours of sleep. And then what else? I watch what I eat. So like some people get really technical and like they eat more magnesium or something, but I avoid sugar. Apart from that being a conscious thing, it's something that kind of happened naturally when I started biking more. So I try to be active. I bike regularly, but I also bike for transport. Those are two different things, but basically I'm active. I also go wall climbing when I can. Because I'm active, I get to sleep better. And because I sleep better, I don't crave sugar as much. So that's like help, like in all ways. So those are the hacks that I've developed that are both things that I do at work and then things that I don't, that I do in the other aspects of my life. Oh, and then one thing is at night or like at the end of the day, I already plan what I'm gonna do with the next day. And then I actually section off my day. There's an Excel sheet that's like sectioned off every 30 minutes. So I plot what my day will be the next day. So I have my plan for the day and then I also keep track of what actually happens throughout the day. This is important because people with ADHD, and this was very true for me, people with ADHD have a very poor sense of how long things actually take. Yes. Very, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm very poor at judging how long things take and being able to track that in real time and so I used to feel guilty about it but now that I am pretty honest about it it's given me a better sense of how long things actually take and that's it's been better for me in terms of plotting my schedule because I don't overestimate my capabilities anymore uh yeah so those are all the hacks that I've
0: developed in terms of work right thank you so even with all of those hacks that you've tried, what made you decide to, or was it your doctor who recommended you still go on medication? Uh, no, no, no,
1: no. It wasn't my doctor that... I actually came into the psychiatrist's office and I was like, okay, please diagnose me. Do I have ADHD? And when it got to the point where he was like, yes, you have ADHD, um, he was talking about treatment plans. And I said, I actually want to get medicated. And the reason was... My job now, apart from being very demanding, I mentioned earlier that things happen so fast. There are times when the schedule I plan goes to complete because something happens and I have to suddenly readjust and pivot. And the pivoting was really, really hard for me. And it was affecting my mental health because I started feeling like I wasn't good enough, which is common, apparently, for people with... um, So just so you know, people who come in... High-achieving individuals, ADHD, start coming in when there is too much demand on their executive function. And all the hacks that we developed just aren't enough to cover what we need to do. So it's common for people going through law school, going through med school, postgraduate studies, or going through a really demanding managerial job, mid-managerial job, that that's when we start coming in. So basically, that's why I thought that maybe... All these hacks are great but maybe I need more help already
0: and that's why I asked for medication. How is the medication going for you? Has it been addictive like what people are saying? I saw someone, <laughs> like you mentioned to me, you mentioned to me someone was like it has the same ingredients as shabu and it's like yeah that is very ah. that is a fallacy. <laughs> like, ah, let's talk about yeah. that stigma. <laughs> okay.
1: So, actually it does have both Shabu and what I'm taking have some amount of amphetamines. But uh, what I want to make clear is that if you have an ADHD brain, you do not get addicted to your ADHD meds, nor do you get dependent. Because how, what happens with the medicine, and I looked this up and read so many sources on it. What it does is it balances the chemicals in your brain. So basically, it just starts working like a normal brain and you yeah. don't get dependent on it. The only time it gets addictive and the only time you become really, really reliant on it and all is when you take it and you don't have ADHD. It's a problem in other countries where the medicines are a lot more accessible. There are many reasons why it won't be a problem here. And this is why, well, number one, you need a psychiatrist's prescription to get ADHD meds, but not just any psychiatrist can prescribe them for you. They have to have a level two something something uh, license to be able to prescribe. And the prescription that they give you is not the normal prescription pad that you see. They have a special pad with a control number that they have to use when they prescribe. And then when you go to a drugstore, not all drugstores have the medicines. Yep. Right. And then when you go to the drugstore, they have to go look for the manager before they can give it to you. And then when the manager comes and sometimes it takes a while, when the manager comes, they ask for your government ID and then they ask you to sign in this little booklet that the manager also signs. And then um, that is then shipped off to PIDEA. And then so all of that is already a lot of hassle, right? Apart from that, it mm-hmm. is so fucking expensive.
0: It um, is so expensive, I've heard. Yeah. I was like, no. Yeah,
1: so for everyone listening, and I hope this isn't a deterrent, well, it will be to a lot of people, but ADHD meds, so psychiatrists are pretty careful about this. Um, they don't just dispense drugs willy-nilly. Um, they analyze and if uh, meds are the best option for you, The way that my doctor described me, the first thing he said when he diagnosed me was that you are a high-functioning person with ADHD. And he knew that I had so many coping mechanisms. And by the way, my coping mechanisms have put me... He ran a diagnostic test to check if I had OCD. And my coping mechanisms actually put me in OCD already. But uh, he said that it's not something... Like the OCD... He said, if it's not bothering you in your everyday life and that this is more because of the way that you've learned to cope with ADHD, then we won't have treated. It doesn't need like additional therapy. But basically, um, he analyzed that I have developed so many coping mechanisms and they're not enough. So, yeah, uh, that's another thing. Like psychiatrists are very careful about dispensing or like writing a prescription. So my meds were the lowest level he started with the lowest level to make sure that there were no adverse effects. So, to be transparent, like any medication. So, he wanted to make sure nawala. So, I had the lowest dose, which is also the most, it's the cheapest. It was 83 pesos per pill. Um, Not bad compared to some other medications. Yes. So, the others. 300. Yes. So, the range is 83 pesos to 300 Yes. And if you think about that, that's more than half of the daily minimum wage, Yep, which is horrific. And one of the reasons why I'm so vocal about the spelling, the misconceptions around medication is one of the reasons why it's so expensive in the country is because of all these, all the fear mongering that it's addictive. And, mm-hmm. you know, it should be more accessible. But it's not because of all the misconceptions people have. I yeah. sorry,
0: I just kept going on. I'm sorry. No, why are you saying sorry? No, I I agree about how number one, uh, it's I've seen it in friends, um, mm-hmm. and significant other, right? Like when they took that medication, it was really. Not exaggerating, it was life changing for them yes. because basically, what it does is it makes your ADHD brain function like a neurotypical mm-hmm. brain. It normalizes because ADHD is essentially a chemical imbalance, so it balances mm-hmm. things out. And it was, they were like, it really helps them function like a neurotypical person. And what that means is there's just Less stress, right, as well. Yes. Aside from the ADHD, there's this whole discussion about, especially if you're a high-functioning individual, like growing up, you had, you were thought of as a smart kid, like you had all Mm -hmm. of these achievements, and then going into adulthood, suddenly your executive functions aren't good, and there's Mm -hmm. so much stress and then you start feeling like you weren't able to live up to your potential like that's mm-hmm. that's a legitimate fear right mm-hmm. and then i really agree with like everything you've outlined from the fact that it's not addictive and i've seen the whole process at least with my boyfriend right like we started off with a small dose and it was a na feel ko talaga na ingat na ingat na yung doctor to make sure na okay or hindi, okay? Mm-hmm. So, may mm-hmm. monitoring period yan yung sa kanya. Parang, tingnan muna, like, after one week, after two weeks, ganyan. And then eventually, mm-hmm. tinitignan kung ano yung side effects. Because depends sa tao rin yung side effect. For him, it's not so bad, even with a high dose. And yun talaga yung kailangan niya. So that's what he takes. And I don't see him becoming addicted to it because it's mm-hmm. so expensive and <laughs> yeah. it's so inaccessible. And yes. the fact na yung he needs to get the um, yung reseta thing is like kailangan may reseta every time like hindi deep gagamitin the same reseta every time yes. he gets it the drugstore so i would like to also point that out for you know destigmatizing this, this whole nakaaddict siya and stuff like mm-hmm. that like it's very controlled and yes. uh, if mag-aadik ka lang naman parang why would you spend 300 <laughs> pesos per day para ka like no <laughs> Like, this yeah. is kind of a bad joke, pero parang kung stok- na addict di ba? E di, mag- lang, di ba? Parang, why yeah. not? <laughs> so, Actually, that's so, fantastic. I, I love that joke. Sorry, I love that joke. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, di and... ba, parang, <laughs> parang hello.
1: <laughs> no, that's completely true. That's completely true. And, uh, well, to be transparent also to the people listening who might have ADHD or have been diagnosed with ADHD and are curious about, try it. So my story with taking the medicine, apart from my day job, plus being focused, I also take online courses. The first time I took my ADHD meds, uh, I actually made a video on it. I documented it and I honestly did not think I was going to cry, but I was taking my online course when I took it and I realized how easy it was. So like I was saying a while ago, One of the things that made me realize that there was something that maybe I possibly had ADHD was when I realized I couldn't follow verbal instructions. And that was something that I could suddenly do when I was on my medication. The way that the class is structured, the teacher goes over like the main points that he'll be going through in the course or in the class. And then he like goes into more detail later on. And then he also has like definition of terms at the start and then he goes later on. So when I was in college, the way that I would study is I would just take down everything that was on the board. And I had a scratch, what I call the scratch notebook. That notebook was just for me to take down notes and it was not organized. And frankly, I didn't always understand what I was taking down. And then I would transfer all of my notes to a separate notebook. And that's when I would try to process things and I would be, while transferring notes, if, if there's something that I forgot, I would be Googling it at the same time to understand it. So I would spend significantly more time studying. So when I was on my medication and I realized that I could follow and remember everything, I cried because I was like, wait, people with normal brains don't have to study the way that I studied. And then I realized like, wow, my life in college and high school because I mean we went to the same high school it would have been much easier uh I would be in a very different place had I had access to this medication much earlier so yeah I honestly cried and then it progressed to getting angry because like um first I was like wow my life would have been so much easier to like wait other people have this brain and they don't do anything with it so yeah, basically right. that was like the range of emotions. And uh, so I talked to my psychiatrist about it and uh, to your point, my psychiatrist wanted me to observe my reaction to the medications not just for one or two weeks, but for an entire month because like you adapt it the first few times and then like later on. Anyway, I brought it up to him uh, that yeah, I went through all this entire emotions and he said that that was actually quite regular, especially for people who are diagnosed later in life. But he pointed out that, being diagnosed later helped me develop things that I probably wouldn't have developed if I were diagnosed earlier. Like I'm yeah. known by a lot of people uh, to be organized uh, and that is an insane coping mechanism. But yeah, it's it's been quite helpful. I like building systems, which has helped at work. But uh, yeah, basically that's how the journey has
0: been with me and medication. I think the one thing I wanted to point out, right, is that I want to impart to my listeners is that, you know, like strategies for productivity, trying to be more purposeful with our productivity. If that's not enough, then let's turn to science. Let's turn to other professionals to help us. But at the same time, like conversely, right? Like you can't just completely rely on, medication as much as possible is what i learned from my partner's Mm -hmm. doctor as well so which is why i was also asking if you had any coping mechanisms and apparently you had maybe even too much (laughs) (laughs) yes and the reason for that is because yeah one thing she told us was this is a maintenance drug essentially Mm -hmm. so and it's, a, it's basically a chemical regulator. So if you're able to regulate the chemical in some other way aside from medication, then there's a chance that you won't have to use meds as much, which has been the case for some of her patients. Like Eventually, after a few years or so, they would be able to have systems in place and habits and better coping mechanisms, I guess, to the point mm-hmm. that they might not even need it anymore. If you're someone who has or is thinking that you might need that, just know that it depends per person, right? Yep. It depends on what the doctor recommends. But check that out. Like, Don't be afraid to explore solutions that might work for you. Because at the end of the day, right, like Ro, you, you were really like, there was this r- rage where it's like, what about other people who have adhd <laughs> yeah. and i guess i can imagine it in the sense that you know glasses no glasses since i wear glasses it's so mm. different that it's like this is what normal eyes this is yep. <laughs> this is how it works <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes
1: all right um so just adding to that so some people have asked me or have expressed that they think that their kids have adhd and they want to medicate their kids and i tell them like you know what if the therapist says that your kid doesn't need it don't push it because like
0: yeah yeah
1: (laughs) to me also it's like meds should be the last resort they were the last resort for me Mm -hmm. but sorry and since we're on the topic of meds and just to be transparent there are a lot of side effects a possible side effects i was fortunate in that i did not experience uh, side effects Nice. i mean so lucky like the (laughs) first time i just had like a minor headache so um this is another thing a lot of people with adhd who don't know they have it self-medicate with caffeine so we like people with with adhd who don't know just drink a lot of caffeine and like when you decide to stop drinking coffee you get the caffeine withdrawal is real. And one of them is having a headache. So I had a low-grade caffeine withdrawal headache. That's all I thought. It was like super low-grade. Like, it didn't even feel like a headache. It just felt like slight discomfort. And that was like the first two times that I took it. And that was it. Other people, the headache is more pronounced and it lasts hours. Other people get nauseous. Other people get... Like, I don't want the make people like if people with ADHD are listening to this and thinking that it's a one a miracle thing it can be but it can also not work there are some people who uh they find are there was a the term that someone brought it up I think it was medication naive or something like that where medication just really wasn't an option because it just wasn't working for them so that might happen as well which just goes to show that you know These medicines were developed for people with ADHD. And when it doesn't work, it doesn't have the effect of it becoming addictive. It just has no effect on them. Yeah. Or like the effect is just like they're uncomfortable, or you know, sometimes some people they get palpitations, which is also like if that happens to you, don't continue and tell your psychiatrist just to be transparent that those things are possibilities. And those are things that you have to watch out for when you start taking the medications. But I was very, very lucky. Uh, I'm going to yep. say
0: that. Yeah. So again, we're just reiterating here. If you have any doubts, if you're listening and you have questions, seek a mental health professional as a license yeah yes. uh, And don't self-diagnose, don't self-medicate because yes, it will it, might get worse, you know? <laughs>
1: so, yes, let's take care of ourselves. <laughs> Since we're talking about self-diagnosis, um, it's also worth mentioning that ADHD, the symptoms of ADHD overlap with a lot of other conditions. So like I had one person, as I said, I am very vocal about it. Uh, I talk about it on social media platforms, one of which is TikTok. But I have one person who commented and said that she thought she had ADHD and she was asking how to get diagnosed. So I I put up a fly video saying that you have to check if you have the symptoms for one thing. As I said, ADHD is not just the inability to focus. There are a lot of other things. Like I lose a lot of things too, all the time. Apart from that, you have to see a professional who will look at your background from childhood to school years to... Uh, how you are at home, how you are socially, and they might interview your family. And then the third is you get diagnosed and then you cry. But basically, <laughs> she found out that she had depression. So it wasn't ADHD, it was actually depression. And she was extremely happy because that meant she knew that they had a treatment plan and she knew how to take care of herself. And, like, you know, she had the proper tools. So a lot of, uh, what are the other conditions? Bipolar disorder also has a lot of overlaps yep. with ADHD symptoms. So yeah, don't anxiety. anxiety as well. Also OCD, it can overlap or you can have both ADHD and OCD or ADHD and anxiety. It's quite common, but uh, yeah, this is why you need to see a professional. This is why diagnosis can take, it, it varies depending on on you. Like, some people get diagnosed very quickly. Some people get diagnosed after some time. But that's why, because it can overlap it so much. And this is why you have to see a professional, because you might have more conditions than you think, which is not a bad thing. It just means that
0: you'll need... For tools. Different tools, yeah. Yep. There are different tools you have to be made aware of. Right, right. So, yeah. Great. Well, I want to ask, is there anything... Else you want to say? Yeah, ADHD is not a curse. It does not mean that you're weaker.
1: It doesn't mean that you are less intelligent than others. It's not something to be ashamed of at all. And if you're already an adult and you have some success, it doesn't mean that it's impossible that you have ADHD, which is something that unfortunately there are some professionals who write off people who come to them and say that I think I might have ADHD and they write them off and be like, and they're like, you can't have ADHD because you're successful. Right. If a professional tells you that, then find someone else. That's not a very good professional. It is possible to have some degree of success, but still have ADHD. It's not, it should not be seen as something that limits you. It is actually something that can help you be an asset in ways that neurotypical people can't be. And this isn't the shit on your typical people, but like, for example, at work, because I get distracted a lot by the things that I see, I end up tinkering with software that we have access to. And that in turn helps me maximize the software in ways that we didn't think was possible. That means that I'm able to now I know how to automate like so many in app stuff. Uh, I, I know how to maximize like PowerPoint has a lot of like really nifty things, but. That is something that I can attribute to my ADHD just because I'm very... Did you ever watch Dexter's Laboratory? Yes. You know, his older (laughs) sister is very... um, Ooh, what Mm -hmm. does this button do? That's very me. And I don't think I'd be like that if I were neurotypical. All that to say, ADHD can be an asset and can be a strength Should never be looked at as a curse or a
0: weakness. Sorry, I keep repeating myself. But yeah, that's really what I want to say. How about one advice for people... Who have loved ones diagnosed with ADHD how can they be a better support system
1: how can they be a better support system okay this is sad but I have had people tell me that they were diagnosed with ADHD and the family just said Mahina ka lang kasi. you just have to like man up or you just have to like focus more like telling someone with ADHD (laughs) to focus more is like the most useless thing you can say
0: it's like Um, saying someone with depression uh, just be happy like that's exactly the problem
1: (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) so uh
1: I guess the way to be more supportive is to understand if the person says that there are certain adjustments that they need or like listen to them Like if they say that X makes it easier for them. So at home, for example, people with ADHD arrange things in a certain way. It might be messy. That's because there are certain ways that we arrange things. There's a certain way that we do things and we're very uh, big on routine. And be supportive in that because that makes our lives easier. It helps us find things more. It helps us like just organize our thoughts better. Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean that it's wrong. So like, just let them be. Right. Let them sort it out themselves. So basically that. Listen to them. Don't be dismissive.
0: So that's basically it. I right. think. And any last advice for people who might have ADHD or recently found out they have ADHD as an adult? The advice for the people that recently found out
1: I'm so sorry you've been living your life on hard mode and that's super relatable, but think of it as like weight training. Now that you know that you've been living life on hard mode and you now have the right tools to get through life, life is going to be significantly easier and you're going to get a lot more done. Um, people have described ADHD medication as the limitless, like the drug in limitless, and um, right. Yeah, it's basically that. It unlocks, you you get to do so much more than you thought was possible. For the people who think that they might have ADHD, you know, if you honestly think that you do, uh, you've looked it up and you find yourself identifying with so many symptoms, honestly, don't gaslight yourself. Don't say that it's just all in your, that you're just imagining everything. Honestly, if, if a lot of the symptoms apply to you, then go get professional advice and if someone writes you off and says that you're too successful or whatever find another professional that will actually listen I know that that's pretty expensive but it honestly will feel like you got weight lifted off of your shoulders if it's another diagnosis and they find something else ADHD does not apply to you but um, another condition does it will still feel like a weight lifted off of your shoulders because that's basically everyone that I've spoken to who's gotten diagnosed has said that that is the feeling that they felt. Uh, don't gaslight yourself and go right. and get the help that you need.
0: Thank you so much for today, Ro.
1: Yes, thank you also. Uh, and I think what you're doing is amazing. Oh, so, yeah. thanks.
0: <laughs> so thank you to everyone who listened to today's podcast. Again, I'm your host, Sales Alejandro. This is the Purposeful Productivity Podcast. If you want to follow or just check out the resources or things that we've mentioned here that might be relevant to you check out the show notes down below and don't forget to leave a review thank you so much to our guest today rosie adhd marketing communication professional mobility advocate and now even perhaps adhd advocate thanks Thank you. Thank you also for having me. So, that was today's episode of the Purposeful Productivity Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Sales Alejandro. And if you want to learn more about this or get all the latest updates on this podcast, the best way for you to do that is to go to slash newsletter. Again, that's Sells Alejandro. That's my name, slash newsletter. Thank you so much for sticking around. I'll see you in the next one. Take care. Bye. And don't forget to always show up every day. Bye.